No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Hey, everyone. Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Osiris. fucking right here pull over i mean the only way for me not to move is to like for Ryder not to have the mic so at what all you're saying is we need to get we need to get Ryder a microphone no we need a third mic so that's cool darwin just come on in man it's fine i tried to set the chair up so that the dog can actually come through and do that. 
Yeah. He's like, I'm being good, see? We brought him a bed out here. I'm right in the middle of everything. Yes, you are. Thanks, Apple. I'm I'm really glad that we have your mic situation Uh, all settled. Wow, Mel. Here, here, wait, hold on. Wow, what? Wow, wow, what? Wow, wow. God damn it, man. Are we on yet? Yeah. You're not close enough. Bro. Yeah, get closer, oh, bro. <laughs> can you eat the mic itself? You okay. can actually bite okay. the mic. All right, all right, all right. We're good now. Hey, hey now. No Simple Road family. Welcome back to another fun-filled, glorious episode with Aaron and Melanie and Apple and Ryder. Hello. Say hi, everybody. Hi, hi everybody. I knew, hey, everybody. I knew you guys were going to say hi, everybody. You told us to say it. Yeah. Duh. You could, all right. Anyway. What? Why are you? No, I'm Aaron, only saying Aaron's hi acting for to the camera Joe. right now, and there's no there's camera. no camera. <laughs> and I'm not saying hi to everybody, just to Joe. Who's Joe? And then Joe Mama. Uh, <laughs> God, dude. Oh, right. what about Joe? Joe Papa. <laughs> Joe ball headed granny. Wow. All right. So as soon as we hit record, the wind starts blowing. If cool. there hasn't Tom, been yeah. an a single <laughs> gust today. As soon as I hit record, the trees it's come just to the life. World saying hello to the rest of the world through the podcast. It's jo- yeah, it's joining us. Hey now, no simple road family. That's what Mother Earth is saying with her blowy self. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world. So this week's episode is Jason Louv, author, magician, and this is really cool, guys. It um, being into magic is something that has been a part of my life for. Well, since I was a teenager, but um, it's not something that I talk about all the time. And here on the show, it's been alluded to in the past a few times. And those people that know me would kind of know the inside of what I was talking about. But in this episode, it all comes out. And uh, are you talking about dressing up like Harry Potter? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I wear a tuxedo and pull the rabbit out of my hat and all that. You've seen it. Yeah. It's it's Friday night. It's magical. Yeah. Although you have been using the same rabbit since you were 15, and we're really concerned. Well, it's fine. No. I thought you're supposed to change him? Yeah. He's not fine. That's gross. He's not fine. Okay, that's weird. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll get a kitten. There we... That pull would a actually kitten be, out of my hat. That would actually be really cute. That would be I'm cute. down for that. I'll say it's a rabbit, and, and then, then pull out a kitten. And be like, oh, oops. Yep. Okay, so that's not that kind of magic. Um... But I'm not going to get into it because you guys will hear about what we're talking about here in the interview. Um, Jason, the book that just came out, John D. and the Empire of Angels, actually a couple days after it uh, went on sale, it actually went on to the New York Times bestseller list, like right away. And I've been seeing all the people with his book. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it is really cool. And he, he's got such a soothing, cool voice, yeah, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So... But the business. And he said a lot of really amazing things in this interview. And I really can't wait for it to come out because it's, well, I guess it's coming out right now. Well, in a minute. In a minute. There's yeah. a lot to learn here. But anyway, I just to. want to say personally thanks to Jason because um, you, I don't know, you just kind of brought a lot of things to life just by talking. And Aaron's right. Your voice is kind of magical also. And um, yeah, it was just a really great interview and getting to know you um, on air. And I'm really glad that you got that um, bestsellers. Uh, what is it? Title. Title. Or, yeah. What do you call that? Well, it just got on the bestsellers. There you list, go. I guess. Got on the bestseller I, I, list. Let I, me hit the microphone. 
Sorry. Well, that's all I'm going to say. Thanks, Jason, that's for being you on have the to show. Say about that. Yeah. So yeah, wherever you guys are at, I know that the weather's weird out there in the world right now. But I'll tell you what, I think it's safe to say. I'm going to say it. Don't you? I'm going to say it. Spring has finally sprung in in Portland. Yeah. If there's snow yeah, next has. week, it's a hundred percent your fault. Yeah. Well, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Did Either you, way. Did you see the post that Justin Lacey posted? Uh, snowing in North Carolina in April. In April. That's cool. That's normal. Nothing yeah, to see here. Move along. Watch TV. Shut up. It's fine. Go pet the penguins in North yep. Carolina. Yeah. Polar bear. Or tune into the podcast and listen to Jason Luke talk about his rad book and magic. Yeah. yeah. Do that. I like that idea better, Mel. Mm-hmm. Tune into the podcast. Oh, so yeah, business stuff. Business. First things first. So I'm asking a favor, guys. We're family and family from time to time asks things of each other. And one of the things I'm asking you to do is leave us a review, a five-star review. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. So on Apple Podcast, I, I read a whole article this past week about, like, nobody really knows what the algorithm with Apple Podcast is. They're, they, like, Does it make it they're up? very close to the vest with how shows get rated and all that and get out there. But one of the things that is super important, actually the most important, is the review system on there. So if you're listening to us on uh, an Apple device or through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, pause the show, search the show in the app that you're listening to us on, and leave us a five-star review. You don't, you don't have to leave text. You can. That's great. We love that. I love reading those. But just the five-star alone. Just hit that five-star. Yep, boom. And then come back and hit play and continue on. I'll tell you, that's the way that more people are going to find out about the show, and it gets us up in the rankings, and it's important for the show. So we're family, and we do stuff for each other. More people have been listening to the show. Dude, though. it's been crazy lately. You guys, seriously, we sat, it was, I don't know if it was yesterday or the night before, but Aaron was like reading us um, all of the text that was coming in from the number that we've been posting on Instagram. And there is some really fun and cool shit that you guys are, you know, talking about and just being silly, which that's fun. You guys are talking about some serious shit, which that's always cool. And I'm grateful just to hear that stuff. Like it is like kind of like one of our our Friday night things. We all get together after our long, busy week and just talk about like Aaron's like, all right, guys, I'm going to read some stuff. And it's just like such a fun thing to hear. And. I don't know. That's all I got to say about that. Well, I let me see if I can find a couple. He's trying to find it. He wants me to stall, but I don't really have stall, too much Mel, to keep say. Stall, keep talking. Keep going. <laughs> Maybe Apple. You don't have her. much to say. Um, not Come right on. now. Here's not right now. So, hey, NSR family. I'm Tim from North Carolina. Recently jumped on and joined the NSR family last month. And wait, yeah, you did. Wait a minute. But I wanted to talk about that Uh-oh. really quick. Didn't have nothing else to say, huh? Well, you, you uh-huh. gave me a little bit of, of fuel. <laughs> now she got something to say. No. Like, I thought about that line like all night, Tim, like just recently joined the NSR family. Like that says a lot. And I am really grateful because I know I've said before that we are a family. And then if you feel like that title applies to you, then you are. That's all. That's the requirement. So, Tim, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for feeling that. And um, here's the rest of Tim's letter. Yeah. 
So I forgot. Where, oh, joined the NSR family last month. Loving the podcast. I just saw Dark Star Orchestra in Raleigh with my girl, and my face was melted. I've been into the dead for a few years, but that was my first live experience. I'm hooked, and I'm going on tour this summer and seeing Raleigh, Saratoga, yeah. Hartford, City Shows, and Darien. Maybe even Ohio. Anyway, guys, love you. Peace out. We love you too, man. And that's super cool that you wrote that in. And it's super cool that you're going on all the to all I those know. shows, man. You're gonna I have know. a blast. Lucky. I wish you I could do that. You're gonna have a blast. Um, hey, just discovered the podcast and I'm loving it. Really dig the stories and commentary about the overall culture and experience of the dead. You put the vibes into the words. I do that like this. I go. <laughs> that's the vibes into the words. Uh, seeing the dead for the first time this summer as well as the Terrapin Family Band. Super stoked. So when you go see the uh, Terrapin Family Band, your mind is going to explode because they're amazing. So yeah, that's that's just a couple of the messages that we got. And you guys can call into that number and the number is on our Instagram. So follow us on Instagram at No Simple Road. Um, and then also the website, nosimpleroad.com. We've got some small shirts and one extra large left so if you're a small come on by and grab a shirt and we got stickers up there and we're working on some other stuff for you guys in the merch thing also on there is the family tab and on there's the newsletter you can throw your email in there and sign up for the newsletter and find out about what's coming up on the show and any new developments and once in a while i send out a little personal message to all you guys i ask your opinion about stuff so that's a way for you to get more involved with the show and find out about the inner workings and doings of no simple road um and then also the patreon so guys we have had some amazing people sign up for our patreon over the past few months and we appreciate it more than you guys can imagine it it, every person that signs up is a step closer to being able to do this thing full time and that really does mean the world to me and the rest of the family here Patreon, at No Simple Road do you mean something else? no I mean Patreon what do you mean? our secret code oh Chandonator yeah. <laughs> all you Chandonators out there come on you guys know what I mean wink wink nudge nudge as much. it always will be as much as you can yes Chandonator, guys. Um, you know, here's the thing. I put the goal up there, $500 a month. When we get to $500 a month, we're going to do a live Q&A with just the Patreon subscribers. And you guys will actually be the episode for that week for No Simple Road. With your, If you want to be on, you will have your voice on there. If you just want to write in, we'll read the questions and answer them. So, yeah, help us get there, you guys. Together, we can pull it off, and it'll be rad. And, it, you know... I know that like it's weird to make that digital exchange, but it's the way that this thing works, and it's how this... It's not that weird these days anymore. It really isn't. No? People pay for a lot of things that they don't see anymore. What do you mean? I mean exactly that. Like, you go on any website, you go on Amazon, and you're looking at a picture of what you're paying for, and you have no problem paying for it, or you buy a song that you're never going to literally have, but you can hear it. So people are paying for it, or they donate things or whatever. Their, their money is leaving, escaping their hands, and not necessarily getting any material thing back in exchange. So what we're um, not even asking, but what we're saying is... 
put your money where you where you are enjoying it. Put your money where your love is, yeah. baby. We do spend money. Like I don't spend a lot of money on it, but I spend probably five to ten bucks a month on hints for word games. Do you really, so, dude? Yeah, because it's so easy See? to just push the button. And like, okay, I'm stuck on this word. I'll pay the ninety nine cents for. I pay for hints. um for money in my iCloud for more space. More space. I uh, never see that. And I think everybody listening probably pays for Netflix. Uh, I pay five dollars a month to. Uh, channel on YouTube. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I want them to be able to make cool stuff. So, yeah, help us keep being able to make cool stuff. You know, it's funny, and this may sound self-serving, but whatever, it's fine. I actually listen to our show. I listen to our show every week. And I like it. Yeah, I donate to it. All that change in there, when I get my tips, I throw it in there all the time. So, So I donate to our show, too. Even a buck a month, guys, like that, that's energetically the same thing as $1,000 a month to us. It's it's all wonderful and it, every one of those things is at one step closer and that's how it just, someday you wake up and you're there. You know what it makes it reminds me of? Like if you go to your mom's house and you don't live with her anymore but you like brought orange juice and like a French bread so that you know you can have that with the breakfast and that's kind of like what it is. Like you guys are like providing even if it's like a dollar a month. That's why I say a dollar is cute because yeah it's not gonna like pay our hosting but if a bunch of people did that then a bunch of people pay did pay hosting. for our hosting. So that's yeah. that's kind of how I see it. Like it's, it's no small thing. It's everything is like like everything's appreciated. Chan donator. Yeah. Always yep. will be as much Always as will can. be as much as you can. So yeah, and that's that. Um, we're gonna be working on getting some other really cool stuff going here over the next couple of months. And I'll just say it again: um, the summer concert thing is in full swing. Sweetwater 420s going on. Um, I know that Inside Out with Turner and Seth were out there at Sweetwater 420 doing some on-site interviews and had games and all that rad shit. And if you guys haven't checked out that show, they're really cool and they're on our network with us. So you guys should go check them out. And also Fear of a Craft Beer Planet. I checked them out over uh, the last week and those guys are really fun. There's no script and those guys just go and they're fucking funny. And that show's a blast. So yeah, go check them out. Um, So that's the whole business side of this podcasting world that we're in. And all you Patreon people out there, just know that we appreciate every month when that thing goes into our account and we're able to pay for our hosting and we're able to do what we do means the world to us and thank you guys and those of you that are on the fence and out there listening to me babble right now and going you know I should do that just do it man because you're helping brother out James and a sister and uh, two other brothers Felicia Carl Tyler Myrtle you know Danny Susan Bill we're talking to you yeah alright guys so yeah anyway Jason Louv guys this is this is a a magical interview I'll just say that and Get prepared. Get a notepad. Um, and if you haven't checked out his book, you should check it out. Check John it D. Out. and the Empire of Angels. And also... The links and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. The links will be in the show notes and on the website to his personal website. Because he has, like, courses, an entire course on magic at his personal website. And then also, he's got a website just for the book. So I'll have links to that stuff up in the show notes and on our website. And... Um, there's another book that he wrote that's really made an impact on me personally is the psychic Bible. And 
if you listen to this interview and you're so inclined, you should pick that up too, man. That that book is alive and will reach into your life and change stuff for the better. So yeah. Anyway, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my cold and I present Jason Louvre. Doesn't take you 35 minutes to poop. I know. I would say. I'm sure you sound great right now since you're going to lean forward the whole time. Uh-huh. We're recording. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. That's, you do, that you was, do like to sneak that was my on point us. earlier. I can tell because his voice well, yeah. changes. <laughs> that was my point. Because normally I talk like this. And then as soon as the mic comes on, I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's really a breath of fresh air when we re-record. I get real sick of that voice. What? What's wrong with that? I can't can't handle... (laughs) Whatever. All right, let's do this. Jason is waiting. And... Hello. Jason. What's up? How you doing, man? How you doing? Good morning to you. Good morning. So, uh, how's my sound? You sound awesome. Great. Great. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. You can hear. You can hear all me. of us. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I, do I have uh, echo or feedback or anything like that? Do I need to do headphones? No. Oh. You sound perfect. Great. Okay. That was easy. Nice. Well, you know what? Wait. <laughs> now that I said that. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> were, were you getting echo? A little. I've done this. I've used this setup for other podcasts. It should have been. It's been fine. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Um, okay. So first thing I'll do is introduce everybody that's here because there's four of us. It's not just me. Um, okay. Melanie is my wife. She's here. Jason, what's going on? Hey, Melanie. How's it going? It's actually going really good. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, across from me is Apple. Hey, Jason. Welcome to Hello, the show. Apple. And we got Ryder over there, too. Did you almost forget my name? No. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Right. I think his name hey, is Ryder up? anyway. And that's Aaron's yeah. nephew. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, all of you, for uh, spending your, your Sunday with me and having me on the show. Yeah, man. We were really, really, really looking forward to it. We're honored, too, brother. Um, it's really cool. I So a little bit of, uh, I don't know, history of us. Like, this show has pretty much just been us sharing our experience of being alive and what it means to be in the world with people. And um, we've had some really amazing guests on the show. We've had, you know, musicians and artists and you've, you're actually the first author that we've had on. So you get the well, distinction of that cool thing. <laughs> Honored again. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Right on. And, you know, so for me, like growing up, I, I'm about 10 years older than you, I think. And, okay. uh, I had some older brothers growing up that were into psychic TV and coil and throbbing gristle and that whole scene. And when I started coming into my adolescence, like, um, I got into the grateful dead thing. And, uh, so my lens was really different than my brothers, but there was always this, like, I don't know how you would put it really. Like, yeah, in well, influence and like, I was always really interested in what was going on in that corner of the room. You know what I mean? But sure. But the the dead thing was way more approachable to me and didn't have that the shock value. 
<laughs> you know, we had a lot more kind of positive community value as well. And it's a bigger group also. So a lot more people to meet. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it, the, the point of entry just was, it, I don't know. It just seemed in hindsight was just so much simpler. And I just wonder like, cause I, I'm, I'm reading the psychic Bible right now. Okay. And, um, what it because you have such a history with that like in your opinion what's the what's the reason for the shock value what's the what's the thing so are we uh, are we uh are we recording yeah. already or yeah go okay. for it yeah we're just hanging out that's that's basically oh, cool. all we okay. do well, yeah. So I guess just to introduce myself a little bit. So yeah, my name is Jason Liu. I'm a I'm an author and a journalist and a teacher sometimes online. And uh, one of one of not the only, but one of the things I've been interested in for the last 20 years is the idea of magic and shamanism and the alteration of consciousness through every single possible avenue I could get my hands on. You know, whether that was different spiritual traditions or psychedelics or or the occult tradition and so uh, yeah so i've kind of been all over all over the map but right. certainly you know my my primary mentor in my early 20s and mid 20s was genesis purage who who um you know founded throbbing gristle and psychic tv and jen obviously has been at the center of the western occult revival and in in the 70s late 70s and then throughout the 80s and then into the 90s and and certainly into now but definitely at that time period was instrumental in bringing the idea of the occult kind of out of hiding where it had really been the province of you know a very small number of people mostly in in the uk uh who were much more kind of academic uh, in their approach, uh, you know, centered around uh, secret societies, and it was still a very, very underground thing. I mean, obviously, this was before the internet, and it was right at, you know, all, also before the beginning of kind of the zine era, right. uh, which they were right there for. And so, what they were really doing was using the platform of music, and then and then zine culture, and kind of, you know, similar, you know, creating creating these kind of. Um, uh, countercultural or other otherwise cultural networks outside of the mainstream very similar to the grateful dead right um to you know very successfully uh communicate these ideas that had been hidden um from the public and and often saved for an elite this is something that makes a lot more sense by the way um if you have context of the british occult world and having spent a lot of time over there you really get a sense of how uh, occultism is has really been baked into english culture for a long time and it's kind of you know very common it's talk it's done behind closed doors uh, in, in many cases it's uh it had been a pursuit of the elites and even the upper classes and so what jen was really doing was kind of being a bull in a in a china shop and just trying to almost destroy uh, this elitist culture and get the information out to the public and i think that the shock value of a lot of those tg performances and coom transmissions performances and early psychic tv performances and obviously that carried on into coil um was just shocking people 
out of their daily trance and trying to get them to pay oh, attention. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's that's something that, for instance, uh, uh, Gurdjieff, the great Armenian Sufi mystic from the, the early part of the 20th century, w- was very fond of and talked about. He talked about giving people a shock to wake them up out of their robotic trance, you know, because most people are in a trance all day long. They're just, you know, at work or, at, you know, in their car or tuned out in front of the TV. Right. And one of the real ideas with magic is shaking people and reminding them that they're alive. And so people like Gurdjieff and then, of course, Crowley um, very much pioneer the idea of using, you know, kind of confrontational, the type of confrontational uh, tactics that we later associate with maybe punk rock um, and certainly industrial music really, really took that idea on. Yeah. I don't know how relevant it is anymore, to be quite honest with you, because of the Internet. And we're, we're constantly being shocked by, um, you know, we're, we're living in the age of Trump now. It's like, yeah, yeah, nothing you know, shocking anymore. Actually, yeah. Right. Nothing, you know, it's, it's, I think it's actually much, uh, and I think Jen would, uh, Jen would certainly agree, and in many cases really has impressed this idea on me that it's much more important now to be present and compassionate and loving with people and and just be human, you know, and and spend time with people and and show them that they matter. I think that right now is much more shocking than I don't know, you know, some crazy performance art thing. Yeah, because that's what people aren't getting. They're they're uh, very so much disconnected and and atomized and just on the internet and on their phones. And from somebody like me, that you know, I I, I know a, just a. a tidbit about that whole world and then excuse me like coming into it and reading about psychic tv and the temple of psychic youth and and what what she did and and all that like the outside the shell of the thing is this shocking scary thing and then once you peer behind that it's these things that you're talking about of acceptance and love and compassion and, and helping people and just wanting to get the information out there. Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen those Tibetan paintings of the, the wrathful deities? They look like the, these gods that look, you know, have a 20 arms and 15 heads Daikini and they look like they're on fire. Like yeah. Yeah, certainly. And they have a Dakini consort and, or, or are, you know, Vajrayogini or it's focused on the Dakini, things like this. Many times, uh, gods, a pure wrathful um and i don't just mean this just in the in the context of, of psychic tv but right i think that certainly in the site you know people who have had you know pretty intense psychedelic experiences will probably understand what i'm talking about here where very often um things can appear very wrathful and shocking when they're trying to get our attention but then when we uh re- when we see through them and we relax and see to the the other side it's it's just emptiness and compassion that's the trick though is is getting people to the point to relax right i mean like you're talking about that shock value and like for me my frame of reference to that is walking into my first grateful dead show on acid and being shocked out of myself and then finding out what was behind it and what was inside and it was this whole different thing than what it appeared to be on the outside and that's what drew me to it was that there was layers totally well yeah let's so let's talk about the the psychedelic experience because you know obviously my background is in magic and and the occult and that kind of way of looking at things which is has been a very very misunderstood 
uh, tradition for for a long time. Uh, in in some cases, and that's its own fault because it magic is very often applied shock tactics, like we've been talking about. And, right. You know, or even you know, some people use satanic imagery and things like that. Certainly, Crowley did, and in many ways, magic has kind of played itself in that sense because people took it seriously. <laughs> right. And um, but let's talk about magic, right? So I'm sure that I'm I'm guessing that probably most of your listeners have a familiarity with the, the psychedelic experience. Oh know, yeah, to some extent. So if you understand psychedelics, then you really understand magical consciousness. I mean, when you're on. When you're on psychedelics, particularly when you're at a, um, you know, like a high, you know, like a peak, you're in a peak state, you're in a high, almost like ritualized environment, like I, I much imagine a Grateful Dead show right. must be like, or Burning Man is like, um, or or even just sitting in your room in the dark can be like, but, you know, in, a, in an intentional environment where you're on psychedelics for the reason of evolving yourself, not just because you, you know took mushrooms and went to astro world as bill hicks put it you know? <laughs> um but when you're doing them intentionally with with kind of wanting to evolve or wanting to have a, a spiritual experience for lack of a better word that that's this the grounds from which something that we might call magic kind of naturally emerges and and so you know with the psychedelic experience you know, if it's a closed eye experience, you can have all kinds of visions and meet all kinds of beings and, you know, see things that you had no, no context for. Like, how is this in my head? You know, how am I seeing things that look like they're from old fairy tale books or whatever it might happen to be? Or if you're doing it open eyed in a, in a group environment, you know, you can be having all kinds of synchronicities happening yeah. or, you know, or like maybe somebody has a conversation with you while you're tripping and, it's, and it has like, you know, profound resonance and it seems to be like have much deeper meaning or almost like it seems can seem like uh, there's almost a divine level to it. If you, if you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So magic is really a language for negotiating and navigating that state. You know, it's a it's a, a roadmap and a set of techniques for, I would say getting into that state and and there's also techniques for getting into it uh without substances with with yoga for instance and 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 lots of other techniques and then it's uh it's a it's a a way of approaching those experiences so that you have a like a shamanic toolkit for for navigating them and it and it you kind of know what to do while you're there and you can contextualize the beings you meet or the things that happen to you and, and, um, navigate with the, the tools of a shaman. I hope that is, is kind of makes magic a bit more clear. So Jason, yeah. what would be yes. the, the need for that? Why, why do we need the toolkit for that world or that, you know, that, that space? That space? Well, I mean, there's a ton of reasons, right? I mean, we've all met people who have gone into psychedelic states and been un- unable to manage it and unable to contextualize it and have had to have trip sitting or have had to, um, you know, have been unable to integ- reintegrate that experience mm-hmm. back into their life. Right. And that usually doesn't go, to, you know, and then either they shut down yep. and go back to being completely normal, but a bit traumatized or, you know, or, or they just can't manage it at all and it becomes disastrous for them. So I think that's the most direct use of it is, uh, helping people to navigate those spaces uh, and contextualize them in a way that they can understand them, put them in proper context, and reintegrate them back into their lives. And I think that was always the role 
of the shaman, one of the roles of the shaman in, in tribal cultures. Um, but certainly, um, I think that we need we need those skills because obviously people in the West, in my perspective, uh, know that they're missing something. They know that they don't have souls. Right. Right. Let's be direct, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And, absolutely. And uh, since the the end of World War II, I mean, I think when when we went through World War II, we kind of <laughs> took that as far as as far as it could go. Yeah. And realized how awful and horrible and it, that we could not go back there. Right. And since then, I think that and since the 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 spiritual repression of the fifties was kind of broken by the baby boomers. Uh, and then the sixties happened and, and on and on from there, I think that we've now had a couple generations starting from the baby boomers and going on from there where, you know, not just Western people, but certainly people uh, all over the world have been much more interested in spirituality and, um, shamanism and opening up and trying to understand themselves and find themselves. And a lot of the, as, as somebody who has spent a lot of time in my adult life, um, studying with and hanging out with, um, you know, people who might be considered masters of other traditions from other cultures, whether that's Sufism or, um, the Hindu cultures or, or Nepali shamanism, uh, and seeing these things in context, as well as the Western occult tradition, you really get a sense of the people who have been doing this type of thing for a long time. They're they're like scientists. They're almost like mm-hmm. computer programmers. They have a very very set and regimented way of approaching these things to get proper to to get the right results. And that's Jason, a very different. What are they programming? Well, that's it's that's the question, right? If you're <laughs> well, no, I don't say that to be. I don't say that with a. There's no undercurrent okay, okay, with okay. that, because because the second part of that is, you know, obviously, yes, you could say, well, they're programming people to do what what they say or whatever. But no, no, I don't with mean magic, it in that sense. But I just, you know, like on the on the bigger scale. Well, the idea with magic is that you take control of your own programming. Okay. And once you learn the techniques, then you can program your own reality but people aren't there yet i mean if you go to a if you go to a concert for instance or if you go to a political rally whatever it is you you are being programmed you know that ritual um experience has been set up to program you with a very specific uh, ideology and and you know in in a sense whoever created that is acting as the shaman so I'm much more interested in people learning the tools themselves so that they can program, they can deprogram themselves from mass trances, whatever those happen to be, and reprogram their, 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 own, their own reality and, and take control of their own destiny. And I think that uh, uh, learning the techniques of magic is an excellent, excellent way to do that. But to, to finish my point, what I was going to say is that um, in the West, most of the people who are currently seeking spiritual experiences, right, whether that's through um, tribal type experiences or um, you know, yoga or psychedelics, particularly with psychedelics where people just kind of assume that you just take it and something's supposed to happen. Right. Um, they are like, you know, little children. And, and I don't mean that pejoratively, but in the sense that where the West has tremendous 
uh, uh, technical um, uh, capability. Like we're able to create almost anything in the physical world, all the way down to now nanotechnology and and the CRISPR, internet and all yeah. this. CRISPR, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? That's like the level of our ability to manipulate the material world. But when it comes to the spiritual world, we're 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 still in preschool, mm. and you really get a sense of that um, talking to people in other cultures. You know, they really do see us as. Um, developmentally challenged <laughs> yeah quite frank you know it for for me like taking psychedelics at first in in my adolescence it 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 broke me as a as a person like what you're talking about I didn't know how to integrate those experiences I didn't know how to communicate anymore and luckily I had these older people that I looked up to that were into magic and I knew like instinctively something inside of me said this is where you can figure out how to put yourself back together again but it wasn't it wasn't a cut and dry thing it wasn't simple that road is not you know not fraught with without its craziness and instability and ego and all the bullshit that comes along with you know when you get into something and figure out that there's power there and there's a way for you to work in this awakened state, I guess for a better, for lack of a better term, but it, it, it showed me that there was a way to put myself back together and that there was, uh, somebody else had gone before me and figured it out. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I, I certainly had the same, um, experience and, and that really is kind of the shaman's path in, in a way. Uh, you know, the shaman is devoured by by uh, by spirits and then must put themselves back together again. Uh, and you see that myth and that story repeating throughout world cultures, whether it's Tibetan Buddhism or Egyptian uh, mythology or Hinduism. Um, but but yeah, I mean, in terms of the ego and things like that, I mean, I'm certainly <laughs> I'm certainly trying to do everything that I can to, to simplify it for people and remove the ego, and that's why I've been. Uh, and that has been a, a problem in the past, and that's one of the things that Jen was trying to break through. And uh, that you know, I'm currently, you know, that's why I'm teaching these courses at, at Magic.me, where I'm presenting all this material um, in in as simplified and straightforward and non obfuscated a way as possible to just give people the information without you know any commitment other than just watching videos on the internet so right do i you, think that's really important to do right now so would you say that magic is something that's for everybody no no well okay i have two answers to that the first is that magic in the sense of remembering that you are in control of your life and understanding that you are shaping it with your decisions and the language that you use and even your body postures on a day-to-day basis and remembering that you and not anyone else is in control and that your decisions uh, can and must shape your reality. Yes, I think that that is for everybody. Um, now, to get into the, you know, the immensely technical overhead of something like the Western magical tradition and Kabbalah and ceremonial magic or let alone all these other things like esoteric yoga and Sufism. No, I don't think that's, that's certainly not for everybody just because it's such a time commitment. It becomes like a career. Like, you know, for me, it really has been like training to become a doctor. I mean, it's been my full-time existence for the last two decades. Um, 
And so it, clearly it's tricky to do that and maintain all of your other, you know, you know, a, a career or yeah. uh, anything else. So it, so the specialist role, um, no, that's not for everyone, but it doesn't, <laughs> it shouldn't be, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, not everyone needs to become a doctor. You know, it's just important that there are doctors there that you can go to if you need to. Um, that's that's what I would say. Wow, about that's that. a, that's that's a great. Well, thanks for being a spiritual I, doctor out yeah, there, man. Justin. <laughs> we appreciate that for sure, because there's a lot of questions and spiritual things that you don't even know who to ask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, and that's um, it's a it's a it's a kind of a problem in this culture, and I think it's a I, I think it's you know people should have that. They should be able to just have someone to ask. But also, I think that it's an issue in a deeper sense because, you know, I, as our culture develops more and more powerful weapons of mass destruction, I mean, starting with the atomic bomb to now we've got, I mean, you mentioned CRISPR, you know, the, the potential of uh, bioweapons, the potential of nanotechnology, and now the, the coming um, uh, potent, destructive potential possibly of, a, of an AI or, or multiple AIs. Right. You know, I think that Western culture has the ability to destroy the planet in almost infinite times over yet the spiritual and moral level of development of you know an adolescent let's say you know and and, and that's a dangerous combination wow yeah but on the flip side of that wouldn't i mean wouldn't we also have the ability then in western culture to elevate consciousness on the same level that we would be able to destroy isn't the isn't the the impetus there well that's my hope right you know that's what i'm i'm hoping to encourage and and what 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 you're what you're trying to encourage with your podcast and and one of the great things about the the internet and the ability of people to you know do their own videos and podcasts and things like that is that these things can be expressed and people can not just express them but connect and and talk about these ideas and share community over them and, and have other people, you know, or anyone who's listening to this is part of this community, you know, right. and, and that hadn't been really possible before. No. And that, and, and to, you know, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why people use shock tactics before to just break through the media deadlock to get, you know, one of the reasons that, that Crowley is so remembered, for instance, Alistair Crowley was that he was able to manipulate the media by saying, well, I'm the devil. You know, yeah. so that they wrote all these kind of yellow journalism articles about him. I mean, but to be fair, he kind of was the devil. But <laughs> yeah. you know. he was—he was uh, a bit off, yeah. A little he bit. was a bit off, but um, uh, but he really um, was able to manipulate the media in that way, and that has kind of been—I uh, don't know—people like Anton Lavey have done that and things like that, and it, it kind of becomes this kind of Marilyn Manson dead end ultimately but i don't think that we need that anymore because we have this amazing moment of information availability and and the ability to talk over the internet and i think that uh, right now is probably the best it's the golden age of spirituality it's the best time to be into spiritual things yeah. that there has ever been in the history of the world because of the the access to information on the internet i mean look when i was first starting out learning about this stuff there was and this was in the, the 90s there was no information out there i mean there was a tiny bit that web was just happening i mean you could get a few books at like you know on wicca and things the psychic like that. eye bookstore you could go there and hit the occult section and that's about it 
That's what, I actually applied to work there in San Diego <laughs> as a teenager just to get. Yeah, does that does that that was a bookstore chain, right? Does yeah, that still yeah, because yeah, we we my were, sister worked there in Las Vegas. Yeah, we grew up uh, in Las Vegas. There. Yeah, and they had it. I also lived in L.A. for a while, and they had it in the Valley. So that was like that was the go-to spot if you wanted to find exactly. out about occultism. That was it. There you go. I mean, that was exactly it when I was growing up. You know, in San Diego, it was like that. I tried to go work at that at that bookstore, uh, but. Um, so, uh, so Jason, like that sounds. As a teenager, you were into this. What was uh, like? How'd you get to that point? Was that like a family thing, or was that? Oh, no. okay. <laughs> I like oh, no. no. <laughs> that was a big no. Well, you know, uh, that's, that's get... rare. You know, a seventeen-year-old wanting to work at that type of a place. Like, I, I guess it does happen, but it's it's a one in a you know one in a million type of thing. Well, I. That's a. I'm not sure I have a clear answer to that question other than I was just, I, I was, um, I mean, I've, I've worked in, I, I worked in bookstores throughout my, my, my adolescence. Um, and I was just on a, I was on a search for knowledge and okay. I, and outside of, you know, what I was getting in high school, which was, um, you know, just kind of the standard curriculum, you know, I really wanted to know, and I, I was, and through that kind of just pure quest for knowledge, I, I came across the idea of the occult and magic. And first it was in kind of a, um, you know, like reading H.P. Lovecraft and, yeah. you know, reading fiction and things D &D. like this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love D&D. I think yeah. D&D actually is a great, um, is something that people should play more of because it exercises the imagination right. and brings out the, the collabor collaboration abilities. And I think a D and D is one of the best thing that things that kids can do. But, uh, anyways, that aside, um, <laughs> I think that, um, but from that, I really, you know, and it was the beginning of the internet. There was kind of this, I was very immersed in the idea of hacking and the hacker ethos and the idea of applying the metaphors of hacking to, reality you know that was very popular at the time like the idea of reality hacking and yeah i was just reading all of this counterculture literature and i and if you read enough counterculture literature you you come across the occult and you come across uh, the idea of you know at that time chaos magic was very very popular um and I decided to just see if it actually worked and it did. And from then it just became, it became an overwhelming obsession and, and no longer a counterculture thing at all. I mean, it very quickly went from this kind of punk rock stance to, uh, because that's what, the, that's how I got it. The idea of like, Oh, like you can do this to rebel against the system or whatever. Right. It, it, it very quickly went from there to realizing that, that no, this is actually, not just a very deep spiritual tradition, but I mean, this is really what human beings have been engaged in since the dawn of history is, you know, trying to, whether it's taking psychedelics or just trying to interact with the world and make meaning on their own terms, yeah. um, and interact with the spirit world. And we've been doing that in every single human culture since the dawn of history with this tiny, you know, this tiny, tiny window of, you know, industrialization and, and pure materialist science that you know has discounted this idea but you know we're we're in the tiny minority in the grand scheme of things yeah you know there's a for me there's a big difference personally to being attracted to magic and giving myself to it there there was a big gap between those two things like i was initially attracted to it and joined 
an order and went through their initiatory process. And not until that process was complete did I even realize what I was doing. And wow, what, uh, what order was that, if you don't mind me asking? The OTO. Oh, okay. Yeah. You went, th- you went through the entire OTO? Yeah, well, I went through all the way from Minerva to 4th and PI. Okay, so you did your Man of Earth? Yeah, I did the whole Man of Earth triad. So, Very cool. So after doing my 4th, all the way through, I would hear these people in, in the order talking about their initiatory experiences. I took my first man and it was the most mind blowing thing that ever happened and blah, blah. And I, I was just going through the initiations and like waiting for it to happen. Like where, when's my fucking turn coming, you know? And PI and fourth, fourth degree is annihilation. And I went through and did my fourth and my whole life exploded. And I felt like a, a ghost I would look in my closet and those weren't my clothes and everything that I had gone to in the past for comfort and relief didn't give that to me anymore. And that's the point where I had to give in and go, oh shit, this is real and it's it works and I, I'm in it. It took me that long. Like for you, what was the point of surrender for you? Wow, that's an amazing, that's an amazing story. Um, I have never been a member of the OTO, okay. uh, although I've certainly um, been, uh, you know, as I said, I've tried to investigate every single um, angle of magic that I could. Clearly, um, you know, the hermetic tradition, certainly the Golden Dawn tradition of which Crowley is a part, um, you know, is something that I've been fascinated with. For a long time, and I, I see with for a long time, and I, I I see the places I think where Crowley very clearly got things right, and then I can see places where he very clearly got things wrong. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm sure that I, I think the modern OTO very would probably clearly agree with me. I think that they are really trying to be kind of post Crowley in a way. Right. Um, if I, I mean, you probably have a much better view on that than I do. But the, the good thing about magic is that it's a it's a continuum and it's an evolutionary process, and it certainly did not begin or end with with Crowley. No. Um, yeah, it's it's gone way past that now. Sure. And so I guess, but uh, I guess that's not answering your question. My, uh, the point of surrender. I think that. I think that by the time of my by the t- I think let it's me hard, think about huh? this <laughs> I mean yeah because it's a it's a continuum right yeah uh, it's uh but I think that after my first book came out my first book came out when I was 23 it was called Generation Hex okay. and it was an anthology of writing of, of young people that were practicing magic and I I really, very shortly thereafter, I very much got in over my head with magic <laughs> at the same time, at the, at the same time that I was, I, you know, I was, I was 23. I was, you know, had become minorly infamous within the, I don't know, the under the counterculture. Yeah. And I, um, as you imagine, as a young 23 year old dude, that kind of went to my head a little bit. And, uh, I, I very much, very quickly, I think probably in the same way that I would imagine people who are in bands at that age who get 
some recognition kind of get carried away with themselves um, and kind of lose perspective a little bit. I, I, I very quickly got in, uh, lost, lost sense of my myself a little bit and then also just got way in over my head doing crazy right uh, occult stuff that i really should not have been doing just pushing trying to push it as far as i could possibly take it um and doing all kinds of like um you know kenneth grant type stuff i'm sure you're aware of <laughs> yeah and, you know all this like working with the cliff Hoth and things like this and i i got into a situation where i very easily you know i spent maybe two or three years where um, I very easily could have died many times over you know, wow. because of things that I was doing. And I, I got myself into a situation with magic that I had to either get myself out of using magic or die, basically. Wow. Um, without putting too many specifics on it. And, and that, I think, was probably my real initiation. And that was a process probably from my early 20s till you know around around i guess my saturn return you might say (laughs) yeah you know and but it was also just it was it was as you said the idea of giving yourself to magic i mean the idea that i was not at all comfortable even with my in writing my early books i was not at all you know it was uh it's a big it's a scary thing it's a big thing to do that with your life yeah and that's that's not something that i'd become fully comfortable with or surrendered to at all you know in my early 20s you know it it's it encompassed everything and i i didn't realize it like like i said i was doing this work and basically unconscious of what i was about and what i was even doing and i don't know in hindsight and looking back on it like i don't even know if that was the point at at the time like maybe that's the thing because it seemed to me like the people around me knew what was up you know, and I always felt like maybe I don't. And then when that final thing happened, like it shattered reality for me, it broke everything. And I was like forced to be in this position where like, you're either not going to feel anything anymore, or you're going to figure it out and put yourself back together. Wow. And, and it, it's hard, man. Like even to this day, you know, I don't, like you said, it's a continuum. It's a continual process. So, you know, I'm still like, you said, I haven't fucking attained anything. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> you what, know? what do you think? What do you think prompted that experience outside of just the fact that it was the fourth degree? You mean like prompted the experience? I, you know, <sighs> To be honest with you, I think that it came from inside of me at some point. I think that going through those initiations are, it's just a way of, like you would work a computer program almost, like code. And then when you hit enter and the program is being run, now it's the routine is going to run out. Do you know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. Yeah. So I, you, you, go through those steps like that's what's gonna happen at the end of those steps and i always wondered as i was going through at the efficacy of the initiatory process and when it was done there was no more wonder about its efficacy like okay this fucking this did something you know this worked it did what it was supposed to do and now i'm here and it's kind of like be careful what you wish for (laughs) <laughs> you know, 
I don't know if that answers the question, but I think it's like running the computer program is the thing that was the the driver for that. Oh, well, this is maybe a good, actually, this is maybe a good place to segue into, so I have this book coming out. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to talk about that too, <laughs> Sorry. So the, which directly re- relates to what we're talking about, right? Cool. So, so uh, the name of the book is John D. and the Empire of Angels, and it comes out on April 17th, and it's a 560-page hardback that is the com- basically the complete story of of Enochian magic and and when I say Enochian magic that really does mean the Western magical tradition for the last five hundred years not just so, angelic stuff right okay right because it 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 um, it puts together the the I mean the first two thirds of the book are a, a biography of John Dee. Uh, Queen Elizabeth's court astrologer who channeled this thing called the Enochian magical system with Edward Kelly, um, which was, you know, the most, as you, I'm sure you know, the, probably the most elaborate uh, computer program, if you will, for changing human consciousness or, or magical system that the world has probably ever seen. Yeah. Um, with, the, with the potential exception of maybe some of the more complex of Ajrayana Buddhist stuff, uh, but maybe even then. Um, so... Um, and then, but the, the last third of the book is about how the Enochian system resonated throughout history. And it's not only created things like, in some sense, the British Empire and the American Empire, but was uh, uh, the core of um, uh, Rosicrucianism and Freemasonry. And then the Golden Dawn, of course, it was the, the core material of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And then from there into um, uh, Crowley and Thelema, and then even past then into things like witchcraft and and Satanism and things like that. But I think that the so I spend a lot of time in that book talking about Crowley's work in the Aethers uh, with Victor Neuberg in Algeria in uh, 1907, and looking at uh, Crowley's assessment of Enochian magic, and then also I talked a lot about Jack Parsons afterwards. And one of the things that I, what I, I really wanted to do that book mostly for myself because this stuff is just so complex. Very heady. It, yeah. You know, it's really hard to get your head around, right? right? Because yeah. on one end, you've got, of course, the original D material, which is all about angels and 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 Christ and all this. And then, then you look at the, the Crowley stuff and it's all about, you know, Babylon and... Uh, you know, the Crowley talk and Golden Dawn concepts and things like that. And then you've got Jack Parsons declaring himself the Antichrist <laughs> and all this. And you just look at this and it's just like, how do you, how do I reconcile all this? This right. is so complex. It's like, like what's going on here, you know? And so this book is really my, I didn't do anything for basically, I spent three years, three years of every waking moment just putting the story back together. And Where that's do what you I hope- start with something like that? Like that, like you said, it's so big. Like that's Enochian stuff. Like as a quote unquote magician, when just touching on that, I'm like, oh gosh, that's <laughs> that's a lot, man. Like making tablets and tables and beeswax you know sigils and jesus right. christ do you serious like where do you even start yeah 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 that that and that i did all that it takes a long it takes, takes a long time um so you started <laughs> with practice yeah 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 no i started with practice like i think 15 years ago um but um i think that well okay the short answer is when you read the book, you'll have a, it's, it gives you a much simpler handle on it once you get through it. I mean, it is very complex, but once you get through it and you see the big picture and the context, it makes a lot more sense. And I think that the first 
So the first key is to understand that Enochian really is the Western magical tradition, right? Because it comes out of D, and then when you get the Golden Dawn, really what the Golden Dawn was was a bunch of conceptual layers laid out on top of Enochian. So they took the Enochian tablets and then they put Kabbalah on top of them and then Tarot on top of that, and then they added all this Egyptian stuff in and and all and really and, and, and Hebrew and things like that. And then so when people went through the Golden Dawn, what they were really getting, in my perspective, is kind of training wheel exercises prior to assessing Enochian. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like I see like cobblestone, like putting together these disparate pieces to make one thing to help you get somewhere. Right. Totally. Yeah. And 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 Crowley took that and he really took the Enochian on and when he so and then in 1907 he went to Algeria with his uh, his lover Victor Neuberg and t- together they spent a month uh, walking across the desert um, probably taking something like mescaline yeah. um, and um, scrying going through the Enochian system scrying the 30 Aethers and the key to understanding Crowley is to understand that <clears throat> it was from that experience much more in some ways than the book of the law he had you know he he'd gotten the book of the law but it was when he went through the enochian aethers that's where the quote-unquote religion of thelema really comes from Mm -hmm. and and that's where the uh what you you know that's kind of what he was trying to express in you know obviously we we can't talk about oto secrets but what he was trying to express in things like the gnostic mass and and some of the you know the the magical system that he then expressed was really what he was um, getting from the Aethers. And the core of the Aethers, and I say this very clearly in the book, and, and of Enochian in general, whether it's D or Golden Dawn or Crowley, is basically exactly what you just said. It's the destruction of the individual ego. That's what Enochian does to some extent, right? It, it um, you know, in Kabbalistic language, it you're you are annihilated into Bina, right? Right. But the whole point of Enochian is to um, annihilate the individual, the the individual's false constructed uh, uh, sense of themselves, because we all, as we go through life, build up this um, this story about who we are and this kind of um you know we make up a story about who we are and then we try to convince other people that it's real putting on different masks and taking parts of other people's personalities and yeah cobbling that together to make this thing that isn't anything in reality exactly. yeah and you could argue that we kind of have to because it's a survival mechanism we're trying to when we're growing up we build that in order to relate with the tribe and relate with people around us right um but ultimately as a spiritual aspirant you have to come to to the realization that not only is it not real, but it's it's a it's like a layer of black paint on the window in between you and what is really there, right? Yeah. Because it's 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 uh, uh, it's the ape of thought, as it, you know, as they say. Yeah. So so <clears throat> so the uh, you know, and I think anyone who's had a high octane psychedelic experience, you know, you know, particularly on the on the more potent psychedelics. Will probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Where you you know you do get the ego flattening and and the erasure of personal identity, and that's by the way, um, it is a, a critical experience 
on the spiritual path, but it's certainly not the one that people should start with. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's something that comes, you know, in down much, you know, maybe a, a decade or two into your, into your spiritual path. It's not necessarily, you know, in the sixties, people had this idea that they had to take, uh, you know, 800 milligrams of acid and delete their ego or they were not enlightened. Uh, it, Good it, luck. It doesn't have to be that macho. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, D and Kelly, like the two of them were famous and infamous in back in the day, right? Like it, Kelly was kind of a drunk. Is that true? Yeah. He was an alcoholic. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And so one of them would have the vision and the other one would scry. Is that, is that correct? Or write it, scribe, write it down. That's, ex- that's, that's exactly correct. So and, um, mm-hmm. they, everything is, is came from the two of them and they, they actually came out with the Enochian language, like the angelic language that was from Eden, supposedly. Correct. Is that correct? That's right. And I mean, you, I wonder, even now, like, is that just two guys in a room making shit up so that they can have the favor of the queen, or, you you know what I'm saying, or not? Well, if they did it to get the favor of the queen, it didn't work very well because they were basically progressively outcast and (laughs) exiled from court and, you know, financially destitute the entire time they were doing the sessions. So there was no clear, um, although they were very much trying to get the attention of European monarchs uh, like Rudolf II. Um, But, yeah, I mean, D at this time was in his early 50s and he was, you know, probably the, the most storied um, scientist or proto-scientist, you might say, of of England, England at this time. He was a, a, a government advisor to Elizabeth and had, had spent his academic career um, helping to build the British intelligence uh, services. Uh, he had been proselytizing for the idea of new world colonization and that there should be a British empire. And he'd also spent a lot of his career studying the occult and going on missions around Europe to procure rare occult texts often for the intelligence services because they thought that they could use them to do things like remote viewing and spying and things like this. Wow. Um, but he himself, D really, you have to think of, he was like an IT guy, you know, or an academic. He was very much a book learning head kind of guy. And so he had been interested in the occult for his whole life, but he'd never really been able to get it to work as it were, meaning that he had often tried scrying, and scrying is, you know, you might consider the, you know, the psychedelics of the day. It was uh, scrying is just um, taking a small piece of crystal or maybe a crystal ball and basically staring at it with a candle next to it, staring at it until you kind of trance out and, and start to see things either in the crystal ball or, or, or in your own head. Right. Right. It's, it's like a self-hypnosis. Um, but he'd never been able to get it to work because he was so like hyper rational and of course, you know, things like going into trance states can be very easy for um, people with a psychic bent or people who are much more artistic or much more intuitive or emotional or in their feelings. For them, it can be very, very easy, uh, people who are at home with associative thought. But for people who are compulsionally rational and are often constantly second-guessing themselves, uh, or disbelieving it, it can be very, very difficult, right? Because they can't get out of the discursive, rational mind. 
uh, or, or, or just are not comfortable doing that. Right. So, so what happened was that it wasn't until his fifties that Kel, uh, D hooked up with this guy, Edward Kelly, who was, yes, an alcoholic. He was kind of a con man. He was a drifter. He'd had his ears cut off for forging <laughs> coins, potentially. He'd been accused of necromancy and trying to summon demons and summon corpses out of graveyards. And, you know, that, at least that's what people said about him. Uh, and he was this very disreputable character, whereas D was of high society and had a, a very good reputation and had risen uh, through the ranks. Kelly was, you know, basically a hobo or right? you know like the he anti was, uh, d <laughs> yeah i mean he was from the wrong side of the tracks but he could do it he could scry and so what happened is they formed this working relationship uh, because d, d by the way had actually he kind of had like talent scouts who would look for scryers for him wow uh, from court and they found kelly um uh and he they formed this relationship over about seven years where, yes, it's, it's exactly as you said, Dee would do these magical rituals, which mostly consisted of prayer and asking God and the angels to send higher wisdom. And then Kelly would go into the scrying trance and report what he was seeing, and Dee would write down the material. And then, so over about seven years of that working relationship, they basically transmitted um, the Enochian system, including the Enochian watchtowers, uh, and the Enochian temple furniture, the sigillum and all that stuff. Wow. And also the Enochian language, which, you know, they was purported to be supposedly the language spoken by angels and by humanity um, before the fall from Eden. And that you could use that language to magically manipulate reality. And I mean, that, um, that language has grammar and syntax they found. Isn't that right? Well, so Donald Laycock, who was an Australian Crowley claimed it had grammar and syntax. Okay, okay. But uh, Donald Laycock, who was an Australian uh, linguist uh, who made his career, was not a magic person, was not a believer by any means, uh, but who had had this, made his career studying very strange languages, or excuse me, not strange, but um, languages that are not often studied with very complex structures like Urdu and um, a bunch, I think Phoenician and a bunch of other you know, not very commonly studied languages, uh, decided to study Enochian. And he came to the conclusion that, he, um, what did he say? He said that a lot of the early Enochian that Kelly is giving is probably just transglossolalia, meaning he's just spouting stuff. Right. But that a lot of the later Enochian, he did think it had structure it didn't quite have a he basically he said that the grammar and syntax that it has is english uh so it's not that different from english which suggests that somebody who knew english was making up words <laughs> however uh he also came to the conclusion that it did have very inexplicable um features like uh repeating uh rude words and I think morphemes and things like that, that he could not explain at all. What, and it didn't make sense that somebody would just make something up that had that type of an internally consistent structure. And so the conclusion that he came to was that the jury was out. He could not say one way or another if it was real. And the main reason was because there, there, there are so few words in Enochian. I mean, when you total them up, I think it's only a few hundred words wherever transmitted. Mm -hmm. And so that's not enough to make a clear study of it. But he basically, basically he says it's down to the, the gematria where he says that, um, 
you know, the, the test of it is that if people, future channelers, were in theory to channel more Enochian, um, if it matched the structure of the original Enochian, and if it had the same, if it, if it matched the mathematical internal consistency, and if a gematria was, uh, proper gematria was, was transmitted and, and made sense. And, and so he basically says the jury's out on it, which I thought is, you know, an interesting, at least conclusion for, you know, a professional mainstream linguist to come to. That's, that's like crazy. And it's, it's strange, peculiar, like it, it became more as they were marinating in whatever they were doing, it, it got more complex, you know, and, and more was coming out of it. It got harder to debunk. It seems like, right? Yeah, and, and I'm sure that as somebody has, I'm guessing, had experience of occult rituals and things like that. I mean, you really, um, you know, you can clearly, if you've gone through those experiences, I think you have a better grasp on probably what was happening. Where I think that people, when they do, quote unquote, magic rituals, often it really is a there's an element of self hypnosis. And, you know, you know, they're trying to get themselves yeah. into a certain state with, with, you know, ritual or, you know, set, set in setting, as Timothy Leary put it, you know, putting themselves in a heightened ritual environment and then potentially taking some type of consciousness altering substance. And, uh, you know, there's a theater aspect to it where they're really trying to vibe themselves up okay. and almost to get past themselves and kind of believe something and actually that becomes much easier if you're doing it in a group because then it becomes the kind of there's kind of like a social pressure almost to, yeah. to have an experience tr- trick right yourself into becoming a conduit yep exactly but as i'm sure you know um you know people can go into those experiences um even cynical or with a sarcastic attitude as, as i did when i first started doing them you know trying to uh debunk even or um you know, or or not convinced that it's real, and then you know, as as we we say in chaos magic, they kind of fake it till they make it, <laughs> and at some point they, they, you know, at some point it clicks, it clicks, you know, and all of a sudden it's it's real. So I got a question for you, and this is totally selfish question, but since I got you here, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity. This is something that I've wondered, and it's something that happened recently with the Psychic Bible that has happened throughout my life, and I want to know what your opinion is on it. So, like, certain books or a song, mostly books, though, have a way of coming to life. Um, And what I mean by that is, like, you're having experiences in your life and you know you're doing your thing and going along on your way and you'll pick up a book and that book is speaking directly to you right where you're at at that moment and and i found with occult books a lot of crowley stuff and others that they'll change over time so they meet you where you're at at the moment but with this, the psychic Bible, like everything that I was trying to put together in my head that I couldn't c- quite gel, it just wasn't coming together in the right way. When I, the first two chapters, I opened it up, I was like, holy shit, somebody already did this for me and is speaking it for me. Like, put it together. What do you think that is that th- when something comes alive like that? 
Well, I, I mean, first, I mean, thank you. That's a huge, huge compliment uh, in terms yeah, of the welcome. psychic Bible. Thank I mean, you. That's certainly not a, you know, uh, you know, that's certainly not something I would have been thinking just writing, you know, maybe the introduction, you know, putting that book together, like on a laptop in a Starbucks in, yeah. <laughs> you know, suburban Vancouver at the time. <laughs> but, uh, um, I think that, okay. So I absolutely know what you're talking about. I certainly think that Crowley's books are very much like that. Uh, and they do change. They, they seem to be alive and change over time. Um, yeah. And and you get something new every time you read them. I think the I Ching is very much like that. So yeah. I think that if people are so. And by the way, if if you're listening to this and you're very understandably skeptic, skeptical of this whole world, as as you well should be, because there's a lot to be skeptical of, um, uh, or you're just curious about interacting with it in some way. I mean, the, the one uh, the one thing that I do recommend, and actually the thing that got me into this and kind of convinced me a little bit out of my hard, hard-headed rationalist skeptic worldview is, is, uh, the I Ching and consulting the I Ching, which is, you know, uh, uh, the oldest book in the world. It's a divination book that you can consult by throwing coins. Uh, it's from China in, I think 5,000 years ago. Um, so that's, that's, you know, very much a live book. It very much feels like talking to a living intelligence. As to why that happens, I, I have no idea. Man. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's the strangest thing, man. And and it happens. It seems to happen always at the right moment. And it's just crazy. It, I I don't know. It's a one of the wonders of being into this whole thing that that I love so much. You know, there's there's a lot to. I can't I can't wait to read the new book, dude. I, I really can't. Thank you. So before we take off, where can people find you online and all that? Where where can we get a hold of this? Okay. Well, the best place to find me online is just jasonlube.com. And that has archived all of my many incarnations and projects. You can find my books there. You can find all my blogs. And there's tons of podcasts to go through. And there's also my occult school, which is uh, magic.me. Um, uh, and, uh, where I have, you know, video trainings and all of this stuff, uh, in terms of the new book, that the best place you can find it on, on Amazon, it's just John D and the empire of angels, or go to John D 007.com where I have lots more information about the book. Um, and the book comes out April 17th. I just got my first copy, uh, yesterday. It's beautiful i have to oh, say with, so with, cool. with small you know well, which we have to thank the publisher for um but uh, i say with, with with no bias of course uh, um but um uh but the one thing i will say is uh, the publisher has informed me that they've already gone through their orders for the first print run that's the orders from the distributors meaning amazon and barnes and noble so what that probably means, there's, they, there's been more demand than they expected. So what that probably means is the first print run is going to sell out right away. So I am recommending, if you are interested, to pre-order um, on Amazon, where it's actually on sale right now also. Um, pre-order so that you get your copy right away. Um, because as, as we know, with the, it's with hardcover occult books, they uh, get snapped up by secondhand uh, collectors and they, they go up in price a lot. I mean, I think people are selling the psychic Bible now for like, I saw $1,800 on Amazon. I saw 2,700 the other day on, oh on my eBay. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, and of course I've seen that money, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone actually paid that much for it. That's, I, uh, that's crazy. It, it was, that's, it was signed by Jen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's intense though. Like, 
Oh man, maybe I should get I, maybe I should get my copy out of storage or something. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so um, uh, yes, yeah, so so there's so it's 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 likely that um, this the first edition of this will will sell quickly and then and then go up in value. So so I'm just recommending to pre-order, and um, yeah, so it's jasonlou.com and then johnd007.com and uh, and that's oh and then I have a free if you're if you are interested in magic I do have a free email course on it. Uh, which uh, is just a week-long course that is, f- is full of podcasts and videos and instructional material. And you can get that for free. Uh, you just text the word shaman to the phone number 44222. Wow. Very cool. You know, one of the things I heard you say, on, I think it was on Duncan's show, was, you know, in back in history, all these traditions presupposed a lot of time left for the human race. And you know they very slowly brought you in and we don't have that much time anymore it doesn't seem like we have much time if we don't get our shit together yeah and, yeah i agree yeah. and i think that's why these things are set there's suddenly so much demand and uh, people are so interested in these things because unfortunately we um yeah i mean we're not really getting a whole lot of answers from certainly the supposed authorities you know like you know it's I, I think that i think that everyone gets to a point as they grow up where they realize there are no adults <laughs> you know? yeah and all i you gotta figure this at, shit out oh no <laughs> yeah well you know so but but also i think that in looking back at many of these prior spiritual spiritual traditions we have these immense reservoirs of wisdom to draw on of people who have lived the life and and come up with uh solutions of um the solutions that are not like here take this pill but that are you know ways to do your life workable Uh, systems yeah yeah and and but and and at the same time a lot of these systems as you said you know you look at something like uh mahayana buddhism or you know where they're assuming that you'll be able to reincarnate ad infinitum on the same planet and, you know, take, for instance, the Bodhisattva value where you continue to reincarnate until all beings on earth are liberated. Well, yeah. that might've made sense when there were 250 million people on the planet, but there will very soon be 9 billion and we're losing, the ice caps are almost gone and the oceans are acidified and the rainforests are almost gone. And, uh, every baby born on the planet now before they take their first breath has over, 250 toxins or plastic uh, breakdowns in their bloodstream and we unfortunately live in a culture where this is happening not only happening far faster than anyone even suspected when they first became aware of things like global warming it's happening much faster than they thought it would but at the same time we live in a culture where we're encouraged to anesthetize ourselves and we're offered you know, any type of entertainment you want, whether it's Netflix binging or Twitch streaming or video games or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. It's all offer. It's all on offer, either online or out in the world. It's a psychic and war. It is. And the, I think that the war is, and, and since, since you have this background, I'll just put it in this context. The war really is of uh, the human consciousness against Karanzon. Oh shit! You know, and yeah, Karanzon meaning the dispersion of and distraction of a, the fragmented mind with no wisdom or understanding, and and that's something that I bring out very clearly in this book, both how we got here, 
and potentially the way the way through. Uh, but uh, we live in a in an almost you know almost completely chronic world now, where yeah. where people are unable to carry one train of thought from one second to the next and unable to focus yep. and they're offered endless distraction and dispersion and the the great the great uh gift of magic i think is not only having a toolkit for contextualizing and understanding that but having a toolkit to turn yourself um almost into you know be a superhero you know go okay. for it <laughs> hell yeah man and there's other people out there that are doing it too and you're not alone that's that's, that's very exciting that's beautiful that's why i think this is the golden day. age of magic you know because we can all talk about this openly for i think by the way the first time in history this is probably the first time in history where you could just talk about stuff like this openly without thinking someone was going to burn you at the stake God, it feels so good so, thank god yeah. yeah right on man jason yeah. i i appreciate you taking the time with us today you're welcome here with us anytime you want man like thank you thank you so much and yeah thank you for having me on it was a great uh, great uh, great conversation and a great honor and hope your podcast goes great for you and uh th- this has been a great education for me this is apple talking um aaron since he started reading your book and talking a lot more about you lately i've just seen kind of an awakening in him and the way you're approaching this i'm looking very forward to reading your material and i just want to thank you because obviously we all need to be preparing for what's coming ahead of us and it seems like you've kind of deconstructed it reconstructed it to where i think i can get a better handle yeah, on thanks, it Jason. now to, to prepare <laughs> thank you very to much prepare yeah. for what's ahead of us man it's crazy times and what's you here so right much. now yeah you know? yeah yeah amen right yeah, it's not ahead of us anymore. We 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 are in we the future. Up. I mean, yeah, we caught up to ourselves yeah. finally. All right, I, man. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned CRISPR. I mean, think about this. You you can now order anyone can order a DIY CRISPR kit off eBay. That's the future we live in. Okay, so. I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> I'll leave you with that. All right, all right, buddy. You have a great day, man. All right, be well. Thank, Thank you, you all. Bye bye. Talk to you later. Bye. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. That was Jason Louv, everybody. And I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. It It's really amazing to hear that stuff laid out like that in such a, I don't know how to even articulate it, in such a way that it makes it understandable and approachable. I know that for me, one of the things with magic and all of that's contained in it is that a lot of it seems really hard to understand and having somebody out there like Jason that can break it down so that you know you don't have to has have a classical education in the Elizabethan era to understand what the hell is going on is really really a cool thing so Jason we're honored to have you on the show and I really appreciate it man um 
So yeah, follow us on Instagram and leave us reviews on iTunes. Go over to the website, sign up for the newsletter and check out all the stuff there. Remember to hashtag your post on Instagram with hashtag no simple road so that you can show up on the family tab and we can get to know each other. And also the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash no simple road. Guys, this is just me by myself out here. Everybody else is in the house and I'm asking you, you know, help me get there man help all of us get there to where we're doing this full time and we can give more of our time and creativity and energy to no simple road and to you guys i know that um it's a strange thing sometimes when i get some of the feedback that i get from you and i read it and i just think man it's you know it's just us sitting out there on the porch and and it's doing stuff for people and to know that is really humbling and mind-blowing and just know that inside of me where I'm at right now in my life that's all I want is to be able to do more of this and to provide that thing for you guys all the time and for us because believe it or not we're getting the same thing that you are and it's making us feel included and connected and a part of and if we can do that more in this world the way things are today then we're winning and so together we're going to make it happen and just remember man we all love you guys and that's it so go out and enjoy the rest of your week tell a friend about the show and all the other stuff i already said a million times and from everybody here at no simple road we love you guys and we'll see you next week for an interview with the higgs so yeah if you haven't checked them out check them out peace be well this podcast is in the loop the Legion of Osiris Podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. tell you about the april may 2023 issue of relics magazine features a dave matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the national graham nash wayne shorter alo ivan neville our friend eric krasno and stanton moore marty stewart and much more check out the latest version of relics and subscribe now at relics.com dmb thanks relics welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute 
What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>